Tis casters, how are you all doing? It is officially Christmas. Yay! Yay for Christmas! <laughs> uh, okay, so today's episode is going to be probably a little shorter, um, only because there really isn't much to say about this film. Of course, I will be talking about uh, A Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, met some many believe to be probably one of the best iterations of A Christmas Carol, which is, uh, which is of course, a classic uh, story written by Charles Dickens uh, in uh, 1843, a small little novella, uh, but has gone on to be probably one of the most famous Christmas stories uh, just kind of in the world. Um, so yeah, uh, but to top it off first, we're uh, I'm not going to talk too much about uh, Disney news just because uh, I really want to focus on the movie because it's about Christmas uh, and I want to talk about Christmas. Um, but the big news is that there are there is talks that Bob Iger might actually be coming back to replace Bob Chapek as CEO of the Disney company, which is kind of crazy. I mean, am I surprised? Not really, only because like it's just not going well for JPEG. Understandably so. The man has been, you know, not exactly uh, on many people's good books, uh, as as it were. So it's nice to know that Bob Iger will be coming back because like he he definitely did a good job, much better job than JPEG did. Was he perfect? No, but you know he he didn't have petitions coming. <laughs> Oh, excuse me. Uh, he didn't have petitions coming for him to, like, you know, fire him. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, so, yeah, so that's kind of, like, the really, really big news. Uh, other than that, yeah, uh, I'm just going to focus mostly on this movie because I want to talk about this movie because I love this movie. It's great. So, A Muppet Christmas Carol, or The Muppet Christmas Carol, I should say, is the actual title. Uh, released in 1992. Um, it basically just follows, you know, the story of A Christmas Carol. If you've seen any iteration, it is the exact same movie with some minor twists. Um, one of the actual major twists that I did notice, uh, aside, of course, from the songs, one of the big differences uh, I noticed is the fact that they have Charles Dickens as an actual character in the movie. Uh, they have him in, they have him in the movie uh, as played by Gonzo, so he's kind of in the movie, Kind of not because Gonzo claims that he is Charles Dickens and everything, and he and Rizzo the rat kind of have a funny rapport, kind of going back and forth. It's it's cute and it's funny and it works super well. And uh, but yeah, but it's just interesting because normally in a few in a in a bunch of the iterations that I've seen of a Christmas Carol, because of course there are many many, um, Charles Dickens is almost is like never a character who narrates the story. You just kind of watch it happen. Um, but yeah, like I think it was a very I think it was a good idea because it, it it worked, it worked in this in this ver in this version I think, um, just because you know you're watching it with through the through the lens of a Muppet movie you know and so you still have a lot of the really fun Muppet esque uh, comedic bits in it and of course the songs, uh, and then playing opposite the uh, the Muppets who are various characters throughout uh, uh, depicting various characters throughout the film of course. You have Sir Michael Caine as Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, I just want to know how they got him. Like, did they just like come up to Michael Caine and be like, "Michael Caine, we want you to play Ebenezer Scrooge in this version of A Christmas Carol," 
because you know like i feel i feel like playing ebenezer scrooge in a christmas carol is one of those things that's just done by older british actors you know much like how shakespeare is very much a um i suppose a rite of not a rite of passage but it's very much tradition for british actors to do um and so i'm sure he was like yeah sure why the hell not and then like uh, and then they were like, oh, by the way, you're also going to be playing with the Muppets. So, so yeah, like it's, uh, I, I love it. I think it was done incredibly well, incredibly smart. Uh, and yeah, and so like, um, uh, because I believe, uh, so this movie was actually directed by uh, Jim's son, Brian Henson. This was actually the first movie done post uh, Jim Henson's passing. Uh, back in I believe 1990, uh, and so yeah, and so they had so they brought this movie forward to be the next Muppet movie uh, in which Brian Henson was directing. And honestly, I think he he knocked it out of the park right out right out the gate. I think he did an amazing job. Uh, but they came up to Michael, and Michael Caine replied. He said, "I'm going quote I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything Muppety. I am going to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role, and there are no puppets around me." And you know what? It fucking works. It works so well because you have the Muppetness of all the other characters cracking the jokes and everything. And then you have Michael Caine being the sincere and honest character of Ebenezer Scrooge. And it works. They, they just work so well. And it blends so beautifully. And I think it keeps the movie grounded to a degree so that when you're watching, you're not like, oh, this is just some silly little slapstick thing that the Muppets did. It's like, no, no, no. This is... This is something that's honest and something that's a new take on a version of the story that has been done so many times, because again, there are countless versions of a Christmas Carol. I mean, like, uh, I don't know how, like there's, I can think of at least three right now. Like there's this one, there's Mickey's Christmas Carol with uh, Scrooge McDuck. Uh, there's the Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey. There's that really, really old one in like i think it was like the mid 50s it's like a very very classic version of a christmas carol uh i believe it's in black and white i think i want to say something like that um but yeah and so like there's so many versions of this and so i'm i'm really glad that with this version when they them going in the comedic route they kept it grounded that way or michael kept it grounded that way in order to truly um uh well for lack of a better phrase to ground the movie you know so it was yeah i think it was a very very smart idea it was so well done and i really really enjoyed this movie uh but yeah so like uh we start off of course with the film with uh gonzo aka charles dickens uh kind of narrating the movie and of course rizzo doesn't believe him and this and then um but slowly as the thing goes on because of course the idea is that gonzo as um uh as charles dickens knows the story and so like as he's narrating it he's like yes and now ebenezer scrooge will come around this corner right now and then around comes ebenezer so it's very very good but it's done very well and so he both he and rizzo act as sort of a greek chorus kind of thing uh and yeah and uh it, then you have like a bunch of like the songs and the introductions of ebenezer scrooge um and yeah and i and yeah it's I like the idea that they have him breaking the fourth wall. I do like that idea that they have uh, Gonzo as Charles Dickens doing the narration. I think it just works. This whole movie just works. Uh, the Muppets are all cast as various characters. Um, 
so like I said, uh, you have Gonzo as Charles Dickens, uh, you have um, Statler and Waldorf as, uh, so this is one of the things that they changed, is that instead of having just Bob Marley as Ebenezer's partner, they had uh, uh, Robert and uh, Jacob Marley as uh, uh, Ebenezer's partner. So they had the, so it was a team of three as opposed to just a team of two. Uh, and so you have Statler and Waldorf as uh, uh, Jacob and Robert, respectively. Uh, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and Beaker come in as the charity collectors, uh, who at the beginning of the film, of course, come in and try and, and, try and uh, ask for a charitable donation from Ebenezer, like at the top of the movie, who, of course, you know, does that classic scene of like, are there no prisons or are there no workhouses? And, uh, you know, and... Uh, the charity guys are like, yes, of course, but someone would rather die than go there. And that's when he uses, he says the famous line, says, well, they better do it and decrease the surplus population, right? Like there's so many iconic lines in this, in this, in this story, you know, if you really think about it. Um, yeah. And so like you have uh, Ebenezer showing up to his place with Kermit playing Bob Cratchit, a bunch of the other rats as like the, um, as like the, uh, the other workers in, uh, in the, in the moneylender office, I think. Yeah, in like the moneylender office or whatever. Uh, which is of course another change because normally it's just Bob as the who works at the thing. Um, and then uh, his nephew uh, and his nephew's wife are the only other characters uh, and, and and who are like actual live humans, except for some like extras in background that are with just within the streets of of London. But in terms of like main characters. Um, his nephew and his niece-in-law Rose, I want to say her name was. I think her name was Rose. Uh, they're like the only ones that actually are uh, humans in the film. Everybody else is played by uh, by Muppets. Uh, and so yeah, so you have that whole scene where he's at the thing, and then Bob asks him for Christmas Day off, and then you know that there's that there's that whole thing. So after that. Then we come to the house where Ebenezer sees the vision of uh, Robert on his door, uh, Robert Marley on his door knocker, and that scares him and everything. Uh, that's done super, super fun and super well. The puppetry in this movie is just very, very good. But of course, it's 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 Jim Henson, like it's the Jim Henson company, and so like I feel like there's a certain standard when it comes to puppetry with uh, with 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 anything that involves the Henson company they're all so well done and they're all very very good and just really pretty puppets and stuff and they're all very unique which is really nice too uh and so yeah so then we get the visit of the marleys uh of jacob and robert marley uh, who come in as the ghosts and everything and uh they have their song which is like i don't know it's not my favorite song in the movie i think my favorite song is probably the one that is sung by uh the What's it called? Um, the Ghost of Christmas Present, uh, which is, I believe, called um, It Feels Like Christmas. That's the one. So, yeah. So, It Feels Like Christmas is, I think, kind of the main main song of this movie. Uh, so, yeah. Because you have a bunch of other ones. You have uh, the Overture and you have the, the Scrooge song where the Muppet cast are introducing him as he's walking through the streets of London. Uh, Good King Wenceslas is just kind of just there. As a care, as a uh, as Carol, uh, one more sleep till Christmas is, is a song sung by Kermit uh, as he's closing up the shop and going home. Uh, 
uh, Marley and Marley. That's the one that's by Stratler and Waldorf. Um, there's a small song called Christmas Past. There's uh, Fozzie Wig's Party, uh, which is during uh, the visit of the Ghosts of Christmas uh, Past uh, by Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, which is a very, very fun number. Uh, there isn't much in the way of like actual, um, I suppose, music. No, that, no, I mean music, but like it, it's very much played in the background of the singing, but it's still good. Um, uh, yeah, it feels like Christmas again. Uh, is the main one. Uh, Bless us all, which is sung by Robin, uh, who canonically is supposed to be Kermit's nephew, but of course in this in this film plays Tiny Tim. Uh, it's a very sweet, very very heartful song. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, after he's had the visit and after he's had his heart changed and everything, uh, there's Thankful Heart, which is sung by Michael Caine and the rest of the cast. And of course, we have the finale, which is When Love Is Found slash It Feels Like Christmas. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's the songs are not great in that like there aren't many iconic songs in this movie, uh, except for probably Feels Like Christmas, which kind of like which I feel is very much big one i think in this film but other than that i other than that i feel like you're not really watching this movie specifically for the songs you're very much watching it because you want to watch a version of the show that you're that you're fine with right now which this movie does and it's great and i think it's awesome and i love it um so he's visited by the marleys uh he goes to bed after they've warned him that he's gonna he'll have the first ghost visit at the stroke of one um now I I thought about and I and I tried kind of comparing and I think in the original novella novella story in the original story I think I don't know it's it's weird how it's worded and that like I feel like he's um instead of because I, in many iterations it's like oh you'll be visited by three ghosts at the toll of each hour right so Ghost of Christmas passes at one o'clock present is at two o'clock and future is at three o'clock. But I wonder whether or not I, I, I had thought that um, I had thought that the original story had it so that it was all done within the hour of midnight and everyone was just kind of coming all at once kind of thing. I can't remember, but this works much better, I think, when they come at, at the hour. So he goes to bed. He's lying there. And then um, one o'clock happens. And then he's visited by the Ghost of Christmas Past. Now... The Ghost of Christmas Past is probably the one that's gone through the most changes in terms of with each iteration of A Christmas Carol. So the Ghost of Christmas Past uh, is generally like a wispy ghost that's both old and not, I suppose. Um, yeah, like he, the here's the description from the book. Uh, it was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man, viewed though uh, viewed through some supernatural medium, which gave him the appearance of having receded from the view and being diminished to a child's proportions. Its hair, which hung about its neck and down its back, was white as if with age, and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it, and the tenderest bloom on what was on the skin. The arm was very long and muscular, the hands the same, as if its hold were of uncommon strength. Its legs and feet, most delicately formed, were like those upper members bare. But with the strange, but the strangest thing about it was that from the crown of its head there sprung a bright, a bright, clear jet of light, by which all this was visible, and which was doubtless the occasion of its using in its duller moments a great extinguisher for a cap, 
which it now held under its arm. So I think the idea is that like uh, it's meant to look look like a have like the body of a child, but still have the air of someone who is eternal. Um, and then uh, yeah, it has like this this cover that you, like you would cover uh, a candle with uh, that it carries with it. Uh, so I think I think it's supposed to be reminiscent of like the idea of like a candle and like this view of Christmas past is that and um through a flame kind of thing right and so in this iteration in the muppets uh it's just kind of a a a, a muppet that has like it's like floating it's like a floating head with like this veil that's behind it like this white veil and it kind of floats there with uh with arms and that's just kind of it so yeah and so in in other iterations i've seen other versions of it ranging from like it being an actual child to like it just straight up being a ball of light or like a, a flame kind of thing so i think with the ghost of christmas past it's definitely the one that's taken that takes the most um liberties in terms of its descriptions which is fine it doesn't change much it doesn't really change anything but it's just interesting to see how different people uh interpret this particular character so it's so Scrooge is visited by the Ghost of Christmas Past, who basically you know does the whole thing, takes him all the way to the past, uh, takes him to uh, his old school days when he's at the boarding school. That's a very sad memory, of course. Uh, and then to Fezziwig's party. However, this is another thing that they changed was that instead of Fezziwig, it is Fuzzywig. Uh, oh, so I should also say that the each of the Christmas ghosts, past, present, and future, are all completely original creations for. Uh, for this movie they're not previous muppets that that existed that they just kind of grandfathered in they're all completely original characters so um, when he takes him to the boarding school uh sam eagle is his headmaster there's actually a very funny joke where he's like yes you want me to visit it is the american way then gonzo comes up he's like and then like corrects him and then he says it is the british way and it's just very funny like just like little jokes like that i think are just so funny and they're they're so good it's so silly anyway i digress sort of uh, but so he take uh, so the ghost takes it to the next stop, uh, which is of course uh, the the fuzzy Fezziwig Christmas party. But in this iteration, uh, Fezziwig is played by Fozzie, so instead it's Fozziewig. Um And yeah, and so there's that whole thing where he meets Rose, and then transports him a little bit in the future, where Rose declines his marriage proposal because she sees not necessarily that that Scrooge is greedy but just that he's super highly ambitious to the point of where he's willing to like forget everything you know and so i wouldn't necessarily say at this point in scrooge's life when he's young that like this he's not he hasn't reached full greed yet right but of course rose still doesn't want that she wants a nice comfortable future but Ebenezer has lots of ambitions and everything so he just so they break up and it's actually quite sad and then from there the ghost of Christmas past takes him back home uh he's like fed up and he doesn't want to see anymore and so he goes and so the, the ghost takes him home after being like look none of this is my fault all this was had already happened this is all on you kind of thing so it's like Meh. <laughs> uh so yeah it, it it's an interesting message in that like your past is your past you can't do anything about it right like but it is so while it is important to recognize that the past is the past you also can't forget the past 
you must learn from it. You must learn from the mistakes that you made and the decisions you made and why you made those decisions. Because those decisions ultimately, you know, dictate who you become kind of thing. That's kind of my takeaway from it anyway. Uh, and yeah, and so now come two o'clock and here comes probably my favorite spirit personally, just because he's the most fun, uh, is the ghost of Christmas present. So the ghost of Christmas present arrives. And of course he peers in the room and he says, hello, uh, oh, well, what's the line? It's an iconic line. It's so fun. Uh, come in, come in and know me better, man. He like says it like a million times. It's very, very funny. So the ghost of Christmas present is generally, uh, is probably one of the, the, him and the ghost of Christmas yet to come are the two that are the most consistent in terms of how they're portrayed. So ghost of Christmas present, uh, is a very fun, jovial character who is very reminiscent and heavily inspired by the character of Father Christmas, who is not Santa Claus. Santa Claus is something totally different. Father Christmas is a is is a character that is very deep in, I believe, in British lore. Um, and he's generally depicted as, you know, this very jovial character. He's got the green robe, he's got the the wreath on the head. Uh, that kind of thing. So a lot of how we see Santa Claus is very uh, is heavily based on this. Uh, I suppose you could say this this uh, folklore uh, folklorish character of Father Christmas. So yeah, so like however you've seen him, he's very consistent. He very much looks the same. So he comes in. So in comes um, Scrooge into the room, and he sees that there's a plethora of food. A plethora of food. And he kind of just immediately kicks it off because, of course, he's such a fun guy, you know? Uh, and so he and Scrooge very, very much hit it off. It's all very, very done very well. Uh, and then he takes him to Christmas morning. That, like, what was what it's supposed to be the next morning. So he takes him around and then he introduces him to, uh, or shows him around Christmas morning. Uh, that's where they sing the song, which is very nice. And then they go to uh, Bob Cratchit's house. And that's where things start to kind of shift because he sees just how, you know, how Bob is treated and like how, how his decisions to not pay him as well as he could or as well as he should, quite frankly, how that affects his family. Because Bob has a family. He's got him who's, uh, and then his wife, who is, of course, played by, by Miss Piggy. And then they have their kids who are two. Uh, two twin daughters who are pigs, a son who is a frog, and then Robin, who plays Tiny Tim, who is another frog. So the kid, children of four. It's a lot of kids, especially for, you know, for someone who's like with a single income household. He's probably not paid a lot considering that he's being, he's under the employment of Ebenezer Scrooge. And so he sees all this and he sees how this family lives and he sees Tiny Tim and he feels empathy for Tim, which is interesting. He sees how sick he is and he's like oh like this is actually like wow like and so i think it's at that moment where scrooge realizes oh my decisions have an active effect on people around me you know it, it's crazy uh just a little note on tiny tim so tiny tim as we know is is ill in this story um it's never explicitly said what he's ill from However, there has been some speculation as to what it could be. 
so renal, tuber renal tubular acidosis, uh, which is a type of kidney failure causing the blood to be acidic, uh, is one possibility, as well as rickets. Rickets is caused by a lack of vitamin D. Uh, so both of these illnesses were not uncommon during the time period of the late mid-late 19th century. So these were very possible. Also, uh, they were treatable. And so it, it, it definitely lead, leans into that whole thing where it's like, if these, if these, uh, I think the, I think the spirit says like, if these, uh, visions do not change, then I see an empty, I see an empty chair by the fire and a crutch with no owner kind of thing, you know? So it's that idea that I like, if, because, because they're poor, they can't afford to eat as well as they should. And so Tim doesn't have the energy or the health in order to survive. And so eventually he will die, which is what happened. Right? Um, and so from there, uh, Scrooge kind of starts to feel true empathy, probably for the first time, uh, because he sees just how much um, his influence really is. Uh, one big thing that they didn't do in this movie that is, uh, which is a fairly common thing that happens in other iterations, is when the Ghost of Christmas Present, uh, as as he ages, or it, because of course his time on Earth is so is so limited, he shows um, he shows Scrooge the two spirits that are hiding underneath his cloak, um, and these two emaciated children are that of ignorance ignorance and want and so uh yeah and so they were meant to be uh or dickens had uh intended them to be a warning to scrooge and of course to others uh of the consequences ignoring the needs of the poor right you know uh so yeah and it's interesting because uh scrooge asks uh spirit are they yours after he sees the 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 two children and, he just, and then the spirit just says, no, they are man's. And they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both and all of their degree. But most of all, beware this boy. For on his brow, I see that written, which is doom, unless the writing be erased. Deny it. The boy, of course, being ignorance. Uh, Deny it, cried the spirit, stretching out his hands towards the city. Slander those who tell it ye. Admit it for your factitious purposes and make it worse and bide the end. Have they no refuge or resource? said Scrooge. And then the spirit turns around and tells him, Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? You know, reiterating Scrooge's own ignorance, quite frankly, you know, because while there are prisons and workhouses, you know, being poor is not easy. It's not a choice. You don't choose to be poor. A lot of times, people who end up in those poor situations are there are external factors whether it is you know they just happen to have a really really shitty time and suddenly you know they find themselves bankrupt and how and homeless you know like things that they can't control or perhaps they are suffering from addiction and there are things that they can't control in that aspect because of course addiction you know there's there's a severe mental aspect to addiction right and so it's these people that have no access to mental health care or to you know uh I don't know, safe injection sites kind of things, right? There, there are there are certain things that are very easily fixable, but the problem is that it is not marketable and it is not beneficial to a financial degree. 
way. And so it's it's just capitalism. Like capitalism, I think is is the cause. It is very much the cause of it. At least this is how I feel personally. Like, I, and so it's not hard. It wouldn't be hard to solve the homeless problem. The issue is that you know the higher ups don't want to do the work. That's the problem, right? And it's just lack of empathy. You know, it's just lack of empathy that these poor people are just sitting there. You know, with not but you know, whatever they have in their bags around them. And all they want is just a place just to exist. They just want to exist. And unfortunately, the way that things are, society just makes it much more difficult for them to exist, which is a real shame. So anyway, that's a whole other fucking discussion. Anyway, so Scrooge kind of has this realization and then he's, and then the Ghost of Christmas present tells him, all right, now you're going to be visited by the third one. And so here comes the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Now, again, this is another version of the spirit that is very, very uh, true to the story, as well as very uh, consistent throughout a bunch of the other uh, of the other stories. Now, of course, he is, uh, you know, looks exactly like what is perceived to be as death, the representation of death with the cloak figure and the skeletal hands and stuff like that. Doesn't speak a word. Not a word the entire time he's visiting Scrooge. Uh, and so Scrooge goes about, he uh, the, the visions that he sees are there's a bunch of people who are like celebrating some guy's death, um, being like, yeah, like it was a very, you know, it was uh, it was like a, like, did you go to the funeral? No, I didn't go to the funeral. Why would I go to the funeral? But this one guy's like, I did. And it was like, whatever. Uh, and then he goes to an alley and he sees a bunch of like peddlers and like poor people having ransacked this guy's house and like peddling his wares and like peddling his, you know, his curtains, his bed sheets, his clothes and stuff. And he's like, oh, you definitely fetch a pretty penny for this stuff. And so he's watching as these people are treating this man who apparently just recently died super disrespectfully, you know, but of course how they're, and how they're talking about this man who had died, uh, Clearly, the person was not a very well-liked man. And so then the ghost takes him over to Bob Cratchit's house. And that's where he finds out that Tiny Tim had died like within the week, I think is, I think is what it is. And so then he sees the aftermath of that and how that affected the family, of course, you know, because everyone's sad. They're, you know, their family member just, passed, just died, right? And so that's the thing. That's the thing. Um, it's all very sad, you know, just because... You know, you, you've come to become really attached to these characters, especially in the short amount of time that you're watching this film. You become very, very attached. And so, of course, Scrooge is very upset because he's like, oh, like, like he's upset that Tim had died, you know, because he grew attached to Tim so, so quickly. Just because Tim is a very likable character. He's very charismatic. He's very, you know, he has a good heart. Uh, and then from there where he expects to see the gravesite of the person of which they were talking about. Now, at this point, I feel like Scrooge has an idea of who they're talking about, because of course everyone's talking about him. But I think he's in denial about it. And so like, as he's like edging closer and closer towards the tombstone uh, in question, he keeps turning back to this where he's like, look, I did, like, I know, look, uh, I, I I will keep Christmas in my heart. These spirits have changed me. I am a changed man and all this other stuff. But the spirit keeps pointing at the tombstone. 
And then he goes, he wipes the snow off of it. And of course, sure enough, it says Ebenezer Scrooge. And then he realizes that like, I think he realizes that, or I think the main message at that point is like, you know, when you die, people are going to be, they're going to have opinions about you and they're going to say certain things about you. And the question is, what do you want? What do you want your legacy to be? You know, and so at this point, Scrooge sees that his legacy is that he was a man who was not liked. He had no family. He had nobody uh, to care for him, even after his passing. Like, nobody cared. So much so that they broke into his house and stole all of his stuff. So, like, I feel like this message is pretty, you know... It's, an, it's a very big open message, and I think it's something that everyone should really think hard about, about, like, what is, how do you want to be remembered? You know what I mean? And so Scrooge re- recognizes it, and he, so he pleads with the spirits. He's plead, he pleads with them, saying, you know, please, I, can, I know I can do it. Please let me try again. And so suddenly, boom, it's the next morning. He wakes up, and he's there, and he's all excited. He's as giddy as a schoolboy, I believe is the line, which is funny. Uh... And then yeah, and so he realizes he's a changed man, and he's and it's and it's it's great, it's heartwarming, it really is. Um, then of course he goes, gets, sends the fetches, gets the boy to fetch, you know, the big Christmas turkey from the from the window, and then he takes it over to Bob Cratchit's house, where he gives him a raise and just and promises to like take care of him and the family and everything, because really like Bob and his nephew are probably the only real family he has left. Right. And so it's like, OK, well, do you want to have this family remember you in a positive light or do you want them to stop caring about you? Kind of thing, Right. So, yeah. So ultimately, it's a wonderful story. I I like the story of A Christmas Carol. I think it's it's a classic for a reason. Um, I think they did an amazing job with this version. It's all very fun. Uh, it's all very lighthearted. But then when you get into the the, the difficult moments, or not the difficult moments, but like the sad moments, they don't shy away from it. You know what I mean? They commit and they're like, look, we know that this moment is going to be sad and so we're going to do it. You know, and it, it's good. It's an honest depiction. It is an honest movie. It doesn't, it doesn't try to be campy and silly because it knows that it can balance it because that's what the Muppets do. They, they balance everything so well which i think is something that you don't see very much when it comes to things that try and parody you know what i mean but i think they did a really good job and i love this movie and i think it's a classic and i think it should be watched every year it's definitely one of those movies that i think should be watched every christmas you know like uh, if, if you ever have a list of christmas movies you should have this movie on your list anyway i really liked it i hope you enjoyed it if you did watch it, awesome. If you didn't, I suggest you go watch it. Uh, it's a great movie. Uh, but that's it. That's it from me. I'm signing off. Have a very Merry Christmas. And yeah, I hope you have a wonderful time. I hope you're all good. I hope you're okay. You know, I know Christmas can be a tough time for some people, but, you know, reach out. I'm sure you've got more people than you think you do. You know, I love you. Uh, and I'm sure you have people, other people who love you too. So yeah, have a merry, have happy Christmas, uh, a wonderful new year, and let's hope 2022 is, you know, not awful. <laughs> All right. Uh, chat with y'all next time. Bye. <laughs>